In this week's episode, we cover more weird teams, more weird X-Men plots, and more weird creature features. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B! What's up? I'm feeling very sing-songy today. Oh no. <laughs> it's like a musical up in this bitch. Yeah, we'll have a musical episode. I will sing the entire hour. That would be terrible. That'd be awful. That'd It'd be, be awful bad. for you. I would have a great time. That would be bad. Audience, would you have a great time? You want to? You want me no. to do a musical? Hey, hey, you can't there's, talk for there's them. An audience, man. You can't just talk for them. That's rude. That's, you're rude. I'm not doing that. That's I'm obviously not me. I'm a beautiful singer. Yeah, you're really good, actually. Oh, thank you. See, we got around there eventually. Um. So, did you hear about Ghost Rider? Oh, I'm sad. Yeah. So I have a hunch that it was, like, maneuvered that way because they want to use it in, in the MCU. That's absolutely what it has to be. Um, But I'm my concern is that it's not going to be Robbie Reyes. I was really excited about Robbie Reyes. Because um, he's awesome. Because, well, and I feel like his character never really got a chance to shine. He was, like one of the most in like my opinion most abused of the like let's make a new this superhero yeah. and then everyone gets really mad because you know they did it <laughs> they did it with thor they did it with captain america they did it with wolverine but i feel like he got the most just like because the people that are going to read ghost rider i guess that like fan base was just really not feeling like either latin or car we'll leave it. <laughs> we'll leave yeah. it there um it's but it uh to determine you know but i i read all new ghost rider it was great i read the whole thing it was great i he's on the avengers team that jason aaron's doing right now and he's great and he was in agents of shield and he was great and yeah. i thought he did the i thought the car based ghost rider was super cool on screen versus like in comics it was cool but kind of had its like motorcycle definitely plays better in comics i feel like no you have flames yeah. like whipping well, everywhere agree, you know and, like he was my favorite part of the later seasons of agents of shield yeah. because like it started to get kind of meh yeah and but then robbie reyes was like a badass and was really cool yeah he was and a very he refreshing in, yeah and he brought yeah. in a whole other element that they hadn't really brought into agents of shield yeah. yet so i was really excited to see him so i hope if this was a maneuver because they want to use Ghost Rider in an upcoming movie or something, I hope they still keep it to Robbie. Um, I mean, the MCU is all about inclusion these days, so maybe that will help. <laughs> you know, but I just like, I don't know. We've seen a Johnny Blaze movie, you know? Eh. Like, at least if you're going to give us, like, not Robbie, give us, like, Danny, you know? Yeah. He, I don't know. It was... I, I knew as soon as they announced it that it was because, like, I think I read, like, several days ago that they had announced that they wanted to do a Ghost Rider movie. Yeah, yeah. And if they want to do a Ghost Rider movie, that cuts off any opportunity to have the show. Mm -hmm. Because they're trying this weird, like, now we're cohesive, yeah. even though we're not. I think what Marvel's really trying to do is just figure out where the next alleyway is going to be. Like, yeah. where the next, like, thoroughfare for their movies is going to be. So, like... Is it going to be magic? Is it going to be multiverse? Is it going to be demons? Is it going to be, you know, more space stuff? And that's why they've got, like, 
if you look at what they've announced, like Blade and Doctor Strange and Into the Multiverse and, yeah. you know, The Eternals and now potentially Ghost Rider and stuff like that. So I think they're really just trying to figure out, like, what the next... Because it was just very straightforward superheroes in the first bit. Like, there was yeah. a lot of cosmic stuff, but it wasn't, like... Aside from Guardians, it wasn't, like, set in space. Well, Guardians and Ragnarok, you know. So I feel like they're probably just trying to be, like... This is... Which one do people want? And then if everyone goes to see Ghost Rider and they're like, Fucking demons, yeah! Then, <laughs> you know, everyone leaves the theater being like, You know, doing, like, metal riffs and shit. If I... I guess everyone turns into Mr. Torg from Borderlands. Could I, could I get, like, a spirit... Explosions! <laughs> Straight up, if we could get some, like, spirits of vengeance up in here... Yeah, I mean... I would be all about it. Yeah, get some Midnight uh, Suns. Like, if they do a Blade movie and they do... Give me some Hellstroms. Uh, if, if they get Moon Knight worked in there and they get Hellstrom and they get a Blade and they get Ghost Rider, then we can have, like, a Midnight Suns team-up movie. That would be... Uh, or, uh... No, what's her name? Not I didn't say Zatana. I said Satana. Satana. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's her name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I was right. I really thought you said Zatana. I'm not <laughs> stupid. No, I know. I was just worried if I was going to have to edit this section out. <laughs> no, I was right. Like, it's Satana. Uh-oh. <laughs> with an S. I was right. Light up the pitchforks, family. White hair. Yeah, yeah. Sister. I yeah, the it. sister of I'm right. Yeah, I'm yeah. right. I'm I know. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. It just really sounded like a Z. I just got excited. On this side of the table. I get excited and I get all zingy. I can zing. <laughs> Let me zing for you. All right. So what did we read? Uh, Powers of X number five. Damn. It was good. <laughs> it's just the running gag now. You're killing me. Um, no, it was a cool, like, it was a bit of transitionary stuff. Uh, I still don't know what's happening. Like, the thing is, is that, like, as this goes by, I care less and less about the future parts. I re- I really don't give a shit about what's going on in the future with, like, robots took over and the phalanx is here now and they're consuming the world. Oh, and, and the, like, titans and Blurdy things. blue. Like, I'm sure it will play a part and eventually I'm going to be like, I care about that now. But I just feel so disjunct and kind of, like, random. Eh, you know, like. Yeah. And so I'm really waiting for it to kind of tie back in. And I really hope that the Phalanx is really boring, um, in my opinion. I think it's just another kind of Galactus-type thing. Like a cold, emotionless... I mean, it's essentially, it's essentially uh, like, Marvel Brainiac. It's like, we consume because we have to have knowledge. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and it just kind of bores me. So I really hope it's not they're not setting it up to be, like, the thing in the new like x-men titles like the big bad the big looming threat kind of thing but it's in the future yeah but i mean the phalanx still exists and they could always pull some comic book thing about like it has so much knowledge it exists outside of time or something you know like they are want to do but yeah um i just the the house of x timeline and the like the whole rebirth thing and we're figuring out like Who's going to be in the different seats of the council and like... Which I have to know who's em- who Emma's bringing. Oh my God. Are they ever going to convince Namor to join them? Like all this stuff. And like 
how are we going to put the reins on apocalypse like at some point apocalypse is going to be like nope mine now you know like everyone knows it it's going to happen it's true what's he going play on well with others what's going on with the fact that xavier literally never takes his helmet off I'm, you know what i mean like that's that the reason why he stands that's a it's it's there's a lot of questions that still exist um you know what's like hickman's been pitching that there's something where we should notice or like think about about how gene gray's dressed you know what i mean which like, i have a theory on that i do too um but it's it's a tough theory to get into without spoiling just reading the book for you guys so um we can maybe once what we should do is when this is all done we should do like a full like powers of x house of x discussion oh yeah that's a good episode. idea so we'll we'll do like a special episode about that and then we can <laughs> get all our theories and shit out um but it was a good it was a good issue um i just like the future stuff i don't care like i look forward to house of x and i look forward to powers of x the parts that are set in the house of x timeline but whenever they jump into that future shit i'm just kind of like meh well and i hate it to feels be... very hickman like the future stuff feels very hickman because it's very like science and like well knowledge based here's the thing i don't know if i find it boring but it makes me feel kind of dumb because I feel like it talks over me a little bit, admittedly. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not a dumb person. I'm educated. Yeah, yeah. I got my degree. But at the same time, like, it starts talking what I assume is pseudoscience. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah, do I care? I don't, why did, why did, why do I care? Yeah, it's mainly just fudge science, you know what I mean? But, I mean, it's all, it all has to play back in somehow. Because presumably, when we're in House of X, which is... I guess we're accepting is the current life of Moira. You right. know what I mean? Um, then that timeline, the like X2 and the X3 are done. You know what I mean? Because we saw in X2, um, so the like hundred year one, excuse me, we saw them kill Moira to send her back with the information about the like mother mold or whatever. Right. So like, we saw that happen. So are we to accept that X3 now is kind of irrelevant? Like it doesn't exist in our current like time arc? Or is it is X3 beyond? Because I mean, if X1, X0 and X1 are parts of different timelines, then X2 is. You know what I mean? Well, which... So we're on, because, you know, we're on, like, the 11th life of right. Moira. Right, but we don't, we were never told explicitly. Like, we know that the one, that the X2 was the previous timeline, but we were never explicitly told that X3 was. No, that's what I'm saying. So, like, is X3 on its own, on its own thing? Or is, um, is it part of, like, the 11th life, or is it part of the 10th life? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it seems to pertain really consistently with the 10th life, because Nimrod's there. He's in, like, a different form. He's just, like, a floating little drone, essentially. Yeah. But that's Nimrod. Is that the same Nimrod? Is this an earlier life? But that's the thing, is Nimrod being there kind of, kind of means that it can't be in the 11th life. So it's a whole different timeline. Unless Nimrod is built later in a different way. Yeah, or something. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's I, confusing. I just, you know, this issue was really cool, and it brought up this idea of the council, and we kind of see what Emma Frost has been up to, which is cool. 
Um, she a bad bitch. And she I love is, her. yeah. And then it just kind of like it suddenly skips ahead to the whole. And I feel like we haven't seen the Felix thing in a while. Um, and it just kind of like. I don't know what it's trying to shoots tell me. up to that and just like <laughs> kills the momentum of everything that's going on. And I just I don't know if I care. Like, and it's just you know this is literally the only negative thing I can say about powers and house of x but uh i just don't really care about the future like the x3 stuff i just don't care i'm waiting so. for it to like bomb drop and like oh by the way this is directly related to like the venom stuff <laughs> it's just yeah the phalanx opens and it's just null and he's like yeah that's what i'm saying Surprise, like, motherfucker. like yeah, that's yeah. what i'm saying it's gonna be like directly related to all this shit that donny cates has been building and hickman's <laughs> yeah. like you're welcome and we're all like well now my brain just exploded yep. so that yeah, was cool thanks is, bud brain is poop well i'm so anyway. done <laughs> but you know once again as always powers of x house of x you need to be reading it because it's very very good it's real good it's real it's real world shifty so that's pretty good um another marvel book that i read was a number one um strike force uh it's chris's favorite thing in the world a super weird it's team. a weird team super weird team we're talking like spider woman and monica rambo uh-huh. and angela uh-huh. and wiccan uh-huh. and blade <laughs> it's random that's awesome like it's it's bizarre it is delightful though i very much enjoyed them it's weird how well angela gets along with blade but i like it it makes sense hmm. it's kind of cool because it's like when you think about it it's like an inverse not so much inverse but like it's right on par with your average avengers team because you got angela in place of thor right mm-hmm. Yeah, Monica Rambo in place of uh, Captain Marvel or mm-hmm. like other high powered people that have right. been on Oh, this and team. Bucky. Yeah, you got Bucky in place of Captain America. Yep. Uh, you got uh, Wiccan in place of Scarlet Witch, has been on the Avengers plenty or of times. Or Strange. Yeah, or Doctor Strange. You have, um, who would Blade be on there for? Like your Hawkeye type characters. You know what I mean? Well, he's got Healy Factor too, so like a Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some some sort of that tar- the sort of like ninja stabby type character. Spider are... Woman in place of Spider Man. Yeah, that actually a, does kind of make sense. They just don't have a Hulk, you know. Yeah. But the Avengers haven't always had a Hulk. Angela's you know? a Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> she don't. She don't care. It's what's up. Um, but yeah, it's it's really entertaining. Um. I'm totally into the plot. They don't mess around. You are there, and all of a sudden you're in it, and all of a sudden stuff's happening, and now they're fighting stuff, and things are blowing up, and it's great. And they straight kill somebody at the end of this book. No, oh, jeez. Oops. Total accident. Blade's just like, Hadouken, and then someone dies, and you're like, oops. Whoops. That's going to cause a lot of problems. So you should go ahead and read this book so that you can find out who didn't die? Because it's not great, and I foresee it causing a lot of trouble. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. It, it's not gonna go good for them. <laughs> Take that, Miles Morales. What? Is that who died? No. Oh. Take that, uh... You're not gonna guess. You're not gonna guess. 
beetle. How did you know? <laughs> yeah, perfect guess. It's not beetle. Cool. It's fine. Yeah. But it's cool. I mean, death is cool. I, death, you know what I mean. Death is cool. You know what I mean. Anyway, go pick the book Two up. thumbs it's up good. for death. Hey there, little Jimmy. You want to be cool? I do, mister. Kill somebody. Ah. And then, like, that's like music the, plays. That's like the current plot of Postal. <laughs> <laughs> the, the mom, like, moved to Florida to retire and is doing a shit job of it. And so this little kid's getting bullied and she effectively, like, teaches him how to kill these bullies. And then his mom gets, like, slaughtered. And so he Eek. then is now, like, hanging out with her. Jeepers. It's dark. Matt Hawkins is dark. Anyway, Postal's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sidetrack. So also on the Marvel side of life, uh, there's a New Mutants one shot out. It's called New Mutants War Children number one. Neat. Um, it's the re-teaming of guys who did a lot of the early New Mutants stuff. Uh, Claremont and Sinkovich. Sinkevich. Sinkevich. Sinkevich? Sinkevich. Sinkevich, yeah. I think it's Sinkevich. Say it. For say the it. longest time, I was just calling him Sinkovix. Yeah, say yeah, it yeah. however it feels wrong, because yeah. that's going to be what's right. Anyway. Yeah, so Chris Claremont <laughs> and Bill Sinkevich. Um, and actually, it was a special feature thing on the Into the Spider-Verse DVD Blu-ray. DVD. What is this? The early two thousands. <laughs> um, and it was it was Brian Michael Bendis saying Bill Sinkevich's name that made me realize I've been saying it wrong. Well, because he said it, and there yeah. were four of us in the room, and literally all at the same time we all go, oh. The thing is, I, I read a lot of comic books. I read a lot of comic book news. I follow a bunch of people on Twitter. I follow a bunch of people on Instagram. I don't watch like YouTube interviews no. or stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I don't hear a lot of people's names. And I usually try to like, if I have somebody, I'm, oh, I'm going to talk about this book and they have a weird name. I try like before the episode to find like a name, but sometimes they slip by. And in our first few episodes, we were calling him Bill Sinkovich or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's, it's Sinkovich. Thanks, and I might still be I might still be saying it wrong because it's been like weeks since I saw that. Well, thing. thank so you. If I'm saying it wrong, at me. Anyway, um, yeah, do it. So, New Mutants <laughs> War Children number one felt super '90s. Like it was it was bizarrely '90s. Now I don't know if Claremont's storytelling style holds up in a modern world. I admittedly don't. Okay. It, it, the 90s and, like, every era of comic books had its own kind of, like, quirks in like storytelling. Like Yeah. Um, you know, in the 90s, there was in earlier, because this happened in the 80s and 70s, too, from stuff that I've read from those eras. I'm not, like, super versed in the 70s. I wasn't alive! Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing that is kind of, like, an older thing in comics is you have, like, narration boxes that tell, like, actions that aren't really happening you know what i mean or like kind of act as transitions between panels and they do that in this and it's it's and stuff like that and it, just like weird kind of like quirky asides between two characters happening in the middle of like a big battle and stuff in the very 90s 
but it was still fun. It was a fun read. That's cool. Um, it felt like older issues of, I mean, Sienkiewicz's style has tweaked a lot over the years. Um, so it's, it's different than it was back in the nineties, but it still felt very like old school new mutants. Um, it was, it was just neat. It was a story about warlock focused mainly on warlock focused mainly on, um, Oh, what is Doug's name? Doug. <laughs> and, uh, hey, I like it. Doug and Rain. And uh, it, was, it was cool. Well, that's neat. You know, so it was, it was a fun read. It's worth picking up if you want a little bit of nostalgia or you're just like a New Mutants fan or you're a Bill Sienkiewicz fan. Um, Sienkiewicz? Sienkiewicz. <laughs> Sign Kiewix. We're never going to get this name right, you guys. It's never going to happen. Uh, I'm so bad at names. Billy Boy and Chrissy C. They did. They did. <laughs> mm, yummy. They did a good old New Mutants wrangle dangle. It was hella sweets. So <laughs> go on down to your local five and dime with a pocket full of quarters and pick yourselves up a copy or two. Make sure to put them in one of those plastic baggies and the big boards. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Chris and T's Comic Rodeo. Yeehaw! <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I wish I was better for you guys. I really do. I'm so sorry. So, so moving on to DC. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been a contender. Could you though? No. <laughs> Not with these noodle arms. <laughs> Hey, so, did you read Harleen? Oh my god, it's amazing! It was really good. It was. It was pretty, oh, I love it toasty. so much. It's huge. So be prepared, yeah, you guys, because this massive. book and there's is text intense. It took way longer than I anticipated to read so, this book, and it was worth it. Yeah, my my thoughts on it. I thought it was very good. Um, the writer and artist who, after butchering. Uh, Sienkiewicz, I'm not even going to try. Because um, I forgot to look at... Sedgwick. Sedgwick is his last name. We'll yeah. Sedgwick. Um, but I, your first name has J's where there shouldn't be J's. Uh, it, it frightens me for <laughs> saying it on the radio. And now I'm probably making it worse because of pointing out how, <laughs> how ignorant I am to not ultra-Americanized names. Why couldn't you just be like a Chad Smith? Anyway. Um, you have literally so, like the most English name on the planet. So I don't yeah, think it's I really your do. fault. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> I'm like, as you were once Scottish and people couldn't properly pronounce your name. And it just slowly got worked down into like, here you are. Here's <laughs> here's your two syllables, boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure when my family came over, Ellis Island handed them, like, a new pair of shoes and two syllables. <laughs> they, were like, they were like, here you go. <laughs> Best get to working. Um, <laughs> immigration's fun. Anyway, uh, so my my thoughts on this, uh-huh. Senor Cedric, uh, is that your art is great. I loved the art in this book. I And I've been keeping up with this artist for a while. He's done covers of various things. He's done... Uh, he did what is it sunstone over at image which is like a fun little like bdsm erotica love story kind of thing um Cute. he did switch for image for a while which was like a 
more YA targeted Witchblade. It was um, good. It was like it was more like a YA Rat Queens. Yeah. Well, and yeah, he did Rat Queens for a while, and it was really good. Uh, for like a short bit when there was drama. Uh, Toy Moil. <laughs> yeah, Toy Moil, and uh, he's great. And I love his fan stuff. He does tons of fan stuff online, and that's the thing about this book, in my opinion. Harleen felt like a fan book more than like a like entry into the Elseworlds title. Like it felt like a fan comic that you would like read online. Really? Um, not, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. And I honestly don't know how to wrap my head around like. I think it just it felt like somebody who is a fan of these characters, telling stories about these characters because they're a fan of the characters, as opposed to like defining the characters defining the characters or like trying to tell it like you know sometimes you have a book that tells a story with those characters and sometimes you'll have a book where the person obviously wanted to use those characters to tell a story and this feels like the latter it feels like somebody who was like i'm gonna write a harley quinn story and just kind of went with it you know Hmm. and but it does some cool things it introduces a lot of psychology it makes harley quinn smart which has been something we've been missing for a long time Mm -hmm. um what i love about it like the thing that stood out to me the most that i didn't realize until i made it like all the way through the book is that she is narrating from the future Mm -hmm. when she's presumably already harley quinn yep um but there's no like cheesy jersey accent there's no like mr j's and puddings you know what i mean like it's not written like that it's written like a normal intellectual person telling a story she's still in there. um and that's what i'm saying is i i really like i like what he's doing for the character i just don't know if i was in love with the first issue's story it was a little kind of just like i feel like we knew a lot of it already and it didn't really do a lot to I don't know, change her origin at all so far. I mean, we've got two other issues, so maybe it'll get, and we're just getting into the meat of her relationship with Joker, so, like, you know. But for the most part, the entire first book is, like, Harley Quinn applies for a job, and it's cool, but it's, like, okay. You know? I will actively disagree. Okay. Um, so a couple things. One, I grew up with the Batman animated series and fell in love with the original incarnation of Harley Quinn. Yeah. But since then, I have not read any Harley Quinn at all. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, I don't, I know like the baseline, what was taught in the show, Mm -hmm. but I don't know really any depth to Harley aside from the Mr. J's and the puddings. Mm -hmm. So, to me, having a proper backstory like this, even if it's already been articulated somewhere else, I liked how this felt. Um, I liked what they do with her backstory, making her... Th- it, I won't articulate exactly what happens in case you want to read it, but um, there's something in her past that demonstrates that she's already been a victim to men with power. Um, which I, and I liked admittedly because it, she doesn't let it necessarily define her. Um, I also, um, I, I also really liked the voicing that he gave her mm-hmm. because something that it, she sounds, it's interesting. So this is something that I'm learning as a grown up, which is weird and has been hard to realize 
is that I am now 30 years old, but I still sound like me. I still sound yeah. like I sounded essentially in high school. Mm. Um, in the way I talk, in the way I act, in the way I things I do. And so did she. She sounded, yeah. as a 30-year-old, she sounded like me. And I appreciate that. Because I feel like there's not enough nuance in dialogue a lot of the time where they don't let characters you either are a kid or you're an adult like you're young or you're old and that's it and that's not how people are that's not how people exist i have friends who are parents and are 30 and still talk like me but still talk like a parent to kids you know what i'm saying like people are more nuanced than that and so i really appreciated that in the voicing um and I thought the story was, I don't know, a good setup for whatever the hell is going to happen between her and Joker. I think, um, okay, so I have a question I want to ask you, but I'm going to ask it after I, you know, give kind of an elaboration on where I'm coming from. I think the story either starts, it's it starts somewhere in the middle. It either should have started further away from her meeting Joker and like let's learn about young Harley and learn about her life. Okay. Or it should have started like a lot closer to it. Like there was just this weird like chunk in the beginning that admittedly wasn't the most exciting thing where she's like applying for a grant and like getting the grant and stuff. And it opens with this cool dream sequence and that's really cool. And this parts where she started getting into you know connection with Joker we're pretty good but again it feels like somebody who like really just wanted to tell a harley quinn and joker story and really just wanted to like put the harley quinn and joker story that we know to paper to their art you know what i mean it's like it it feels like somebody who's like i can draw really dope harley quinn and joker making whoopee i want to like get paid to do that let's do that you know what i mean like and I'm not saying, like, it's it's tough, because this is one of those criticisms that can easily get taken as, like, he's shitting on it. I'm not shitting on it. It was a good read. I think you should pick it up. I think the art was amazing, you know? And I think it's a good read. There's some... I read tons of fan shit, you know? There's some good fan shit. I was reading this dude's fan comics when that's what he was doing. He was just plopping them up on DeviantArt and stuff. And, like, his website, I think. Um, but, like, I just don't know if it was really, like... like i kind of was hoping it would be really like revolutionary for the character i don't think it really has been so far it might end up going that way and it you know by issue two it might be like whoa like harley quinn just sits differently in my eyes now um but right now she doesn't you know okay i have seen really revolutionary versions of harley quinn like the injustice both game and comic harley quinn even though she's still a mr j pudding kind of person still really like more deep multi-dimensional character um the harley quinn that we meet in the white knight series is really interesting yeah and different i love that and fascinating and you know curse of the white knight 3 is out she has a big part of that you should pick it up if you haven't been reading curse of the white knight because it's very good and if you want like kind of a unique take on harley the white knight stuff great way to go and it kind of feels like that's who's narrating this yeah that harley but i don't know it's just not quite there and the question I wanted to ask is, why are you saying she was victimized? Um, so she, you know, we have a panel of her being like, I'm into older guys. Or like her friend calling her out for being into older guys. And she's like, 
shut up i know and then in the next panel he's like hey your work is really good you don't need to have these private meetings with me the professor and then she's like i like having meetings with you and then they're doing it i don't there was no victimization in there so i'm just curious what triggered you to be like he forced himself on her saying he forced <laughs> you know? himself on her there's different types of victimization mm-hmm. in this instance like she's into older guys but he was also in a position of power and when yeah. you're in a position of power even if a girl comes even if she came on to him and was like we should be together he off he easily could have said no that's inappropriate for our relationship yeah, for my fair. student and i can't yeah. And then she would have gone away, and it wouldn't have ruined her reputation. It wouldn't have ruined anything. But he didn't ruin her <clears throat> reputation. The people that started calling her Harley because everyone gets a ride, those people ruined her. She's a victim to those people, not the man in power. Now, maybe if their relationship had gone on for a while, it might have become like, I'm going to fail you unless you suck me off during class or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. Maybe eventually it would have turned into like a power trip. But from what we saw, there was no victimization on his part, except he didn't say no. And, and that's, that's that's bad choices, but not a sexual assault. I, you but know I'm not I mean? calling it a sexual assault. Like, I'm not saying that she was victim of sexual assault. Well, you said, okay, so you said he, she was victimized by him. So what actively did he do to her that, because a victim is someone who is up against some sort of antagonization. So what antagonization did he perform upon her that made her the victim? He crossed a boundary of power levels and should have essentially made a better choice because it was in his power to do so. So that makes her a victim? Of the situation, in my opinion. I'm not saying that it wasn't on her. I'm not saying that she's guiltless. I'm saying I think... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, Maybe I'm, I'm just wrong. curious. To me, I don't see... I'm not saying that she's guiltless, and I'm not saying that she, you know, didn't make bad choices. I'm saying that he should have said no. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, like, <clears throat> I agree. Like, a professor shouldn't have sex with a student that's his you know now eventually like hey who knows maybe like student graduates and you meet up and there's a spark and you have sex with them then that's fine they're not your charge your ward your mentee your responsibility essentially but like a teacher a mentor uh you know religious advisor uh professor they shouldn't have sex with their students or the people that they're meant to be in charge of that's Mm -hmm. fine i agree i just don't know how like i don't see i i see the victimization there and i see that being a big part of her character and they did a decent job kind of setting that up i think i just would have liked a little bit more of that story of harley like her getting into you know and and a lot of that felt very like like i said like fan comic-y like let's set up why this happens in like really quick tidbits like oh she gets called harley because she slept with a professor and she slept with a professor because she's swayed by men with power you know what i mean like so now we know why she bangs joker and why she adopts the name harley he he ha ha let's move on to the harley story you know what i mean like yeah that's what it felt like to me like just like some throwaway like setup stuff like right you know let's get this out of the way like 
she is fine with casual sex you know like here you go um i don't know how necessary it was and it wasn't really like elaborated on but i just don't see the like she's victimized by men with power i see that like she honestly and what i think is more powerful is that she has experience being victimized by people's opinion of her you know and considering she's going into this whole thing about like what makes a sociopath maybe our perspective of what a sociopath is makes the sociopath or maybe societal elements make the sociopath make the psychopath and i think her having this experience of like she made a mistake people wouldn't let her live it down to the point where she gets promoted essentially gets money from this grant and everyone assumes she just like had sex with somebody to get it you know that you know plays into her identity and that's really connected to like what we know about joker and his outlook on like psychosis because that's the whole point of the killing joke is that one bad day could tip somebody over that edge right you know so it's about these outside factors driving people to insanity and i think that's the victimization there is the outside stuff not so much just like this dude was like hey you want to a in my class baby look at my pecs and then you know they had whoopee right and i'm yeah no hey i'm bringing whoopee back yeah (laughs) um i'm gonna gonna bring back whoopee yeah no and i think it's a good point i think it feeds directly into her entire theory that's presented within the book of you know empathy gets distorted Mm -hmm. as the you know highly emotional volatile state of fight or flight is constantly trying to keep you safe that empathy gets essentially eradicated in in that in that defined state you know it's it's an effed up thing that is you know if and granted if we spent more time in that era which i really would have liked to like i just i guess i'm just kind of bummed that most of the book was like job interview and not like i mean there was some fun bits where she was like interviewing other like batman rogues that were pretty cool um and i did notice that at one point she had more pictures of poison ivy on her desk than anybody else i thought that was a really nice touch um so there were there were cool elements in that whole setup but i feel like i would have liked to know more about what pushed her into this theory like why she started having this theory you know what i mean and I think that would have been a good kind of thing to focus on because an effed up part of our society is in a situation exactly like hers. You know, she gets called Harley and has people hate on her and like never gets taken seriously because people just assume she's like sleeping her way through life. And over like one mistake, what happened to the professor? Did he get fired? Did he get reprimanded? Is he still like a working professor? And like, any of those options could be possible and that's effed up yeah, you know true. what i mean like it's no surprise that the girl in the situation the female in the situation gets ragged on and gets like overlooked and like just just this shitty war of life and constantly in that fight or flight state like mm-hmm. you said yep and having to be that way because of one mistake but it being with somebody in her field that she went into and so now everybody knows her because you meet at a gala and people are chatting over your champagne and like pointing at you. You know what I mean? Right. You're at like a symposium and you sit down next to somebody and they lean over to their friend and like, that's Harley. 
and you've never met that person you know what i mean right but like that's what happens but what happened to the professor you know did the professor get any sort of repre- you know is people calling him horny hank you know <laughs> like touchy feely tom like so you get a weird name too no, of you course know not. that but that never plus at the same time, it's good that they went with Harley because they could have gone with, like, Kawasaki and that would have been a whole different character. <laughs> you know what I mean? I almost made a comment, but then I couldn't decide if it was inappropriate or not. So I'm going to ignore it. The Joker and Vespa have broken into <laughs> the Gotham City Bank. Help us, Batman. Joker's just like, ha, 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 and Vespa's just like, <laughs> It really doesn't have the same power. Yeah, it doesn't, does really, it? It doesn't really connect. Not the same She way. really made lemonade out of lemons there. <laughs> it's true. She she benefited hard from, yeah, she from her own name. Lemon grenades out of lemons. I did appreciate that there's a comment made about how weird of a name Harleen Francis Quinzel is. Yeah, yeah. That was nice. Yeah, I mean, there was there was cool stuff in this book. And I again, I don't want it to sound like I'm ragging on it. I'm not. I just, I went in expecting one thing and I got another thing. But that other thing is still good. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, um, there's that movie. There's a movie on Netflix called The Perfection. And I went into it expecting a zombie film. I did not get a zombie film. <laughs> I got like four fucking films that changed randomly. It's true. And just shook me. And it was good. It had, like, one major qualm. I'm not going to get into it, but I highly recommend it. The Perfection on Netflix. That was really good. Dope. I enjoyed the um, movie. But, you know, I went in expecting one thing. I got something else, but I'm fine with it. It was good, you know? Yeah. I just, I feel like this was more somebody, it's it's more like a puppet show and less, like, a dramatic film. You know what I mean? And I love puppets. Puppets can be great. <laughs> You know, puppets can be dramatic. Love puppets. Dark Crystal super yeah. dramatic. Dark Crystal is dramatic. Labyrinth is dramatic. It's got a buttload of puppets in it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I can't take Labyrinth seriously. Because, <laughs> because the most like extensive puppetry went into David Bowie's bulge. Yeah, it's it's how many wires and like snap cranks and fucking screws and bolts and shit had to go in to don't get, get me wrong there. i love david bowie r.i.p but like stuff to bro stuffed a whole kermit down there man yeah that's not that's yeah, yeah. not like a sock that's like <laughs> a full set of like lederhosen okay do we, does anybody believe that was actually his dick no way like do you think no way there's no way yeah I, that's that's beyond human reason yeah on a scale of one to ten i am at like a negative five unbelieving that that's actually yeah there's no way there's no way that's possible anyway anyway (laughs) what else did you read oh we're done with harleen (laughs) we don't want to we don't want to talk about harleen anymore but i liked it go check it out i'm sorry if i offended anybody with my uh you know saying it felt like a fan thing i'm not saying that's a bad thing at all i've read plenty of i can't think of any right now so please don't put me on the spot but i've read plenty of like mainstream comics that just feel like somebody who was like i really want to tell a story with this character and then they just kind of make the character work into the story as opposed to you know having a story idea and working the characters into it um that's not a problem honestly that's still it's still a character driven story 
It still had great dialogue. It was very well written. The narration was really cool. And there were a lot of cool subtle art elements, like I said, like the Poison Ivy pictures and stuff like that. There's a lot of Easter eggs in there that are worth picking up. Um, so definitely check out Harleen. Did you have any final thoughts on Harleen? I know I talked like a buttload. <laughs> I really liked it. I thought it was good. I think it's worth picking up. Um, I thought it was... I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think I got the fan feeling about it, but I I, I enjoyed the the voicing and, and the depth that was given to her and that she feels... Sometimes Harley Quinn can feel like so much of a caricature and she actually felt like a person. Like, she felt like me and my friends yeah. and that was really nice um and i do get what you mean by like having it, it feels like someone wanted to write about these characters because that's what every single one of the like archie betty and veronica meets red sonia and vampironica yeah all of those feel exactly the same that's way a, yeah. they don't inherently make sense but they're like, I want to put these characters together, and by damn, I'm going to do a it. A lot of them. Um, and that's exactly what it feels yeah, like. like a so lot I of, get that. A lot of licensed books feel this way. Yeah. Um, I mean, some licensed books just feel like, hey, we got the license. Can you write this book? Yeah, whatever. And they're just phoned in. But, like, the better quality, the higher quality, like, licensed properties really feel like somebody who's a fan of the property, and they want to... You know, do some stuff with it. Write the story with these characters. They want to write with these characters. They want to take the characters out of the toy box and play with them. Yeah. You know? I and get that's it. fine. You get good shit that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and this book was beautiful. I love Cedric's art. Uh, so it's definitely, definitely worth a pickup. It's, it's, it's better than Superman year one. We can all agree on that. <laughs> the Man of Seals. That's my seal. He joins the Navy SEALs in Superman Year One. And it's the most, like, Superman jerk-off issue. Wow, I'm getting way off rails. Um, <laughs> Superman Year One, number two, is all about Superman at, like, Navy SEAL training camp. And it is the most, like, Superman strokey thing. Oh. Like, Superman doesn't even try to pretend like he's having a hard time. Oh. Which... You'd That's think he'd super want to not do, Superman -y. but he's like running way ahead of the pack, and he's like they're holding this like log in the water, like, and they have to stand there all night, and everyone's suffering, and he's just standing there being chill, and like <laughs> he goes and like boinks a mermaid or something. It's weird. It's a weird book. That's super not. Yeah, I, I still am a hundred percent on the Frank Miller made Superman a sociopath side of life, <laughs> and it he's he's. Like, he fights Poseidon and is just, like, a total douche to Poseidon and, like, disrupts the entirety of this, like, Atlantean tribe's what government and stuff just because he wants to boink the princess and stuff. What? Yeah. What the hell? Whose initials are LL, by the way, because oh, everyone he falls in love with is LL. Wow. Anyway. Anywho, so that's Superman Year One, Number Two, which came out weeks ago. Uh, but let's talk about books that came out this week. And speaking of boinking mermaids, let's talk about Safe Sex. I have questions. <laughs> so Safe Sex, or maybe it's FFSFSX number one, because that's what it... Anyway, it's Safe Sex. Safe Sex number one <laughs> uh, from Image came out. It's, uh, it's pretty good. It's about these sex workers that are living in this world where this like super conservative Christian group um, 
or I guess heavy quotes, religious group, but come on now. Uh, it's, it's Westboro all over again. And uh, they basically control the government and have shut down, like, deviant sex. So you have to, like, file paperwork when you, like, intercourse with your spouse and stuff like that. And presumably, like, homosexual stuff or any sort of, like, LGBTQ stuff is all out the door. And, like, they, like, at one point they break into somebody's house and they find a hot, like, a stiletto. And they're like, we found illicit materials. And to that extent. Um... No, if I'm getting arrested for stilettos, I'm getting like a twenty-five to life right now. Yeah, I got, I got mad. And they're, um, (laughs) yeah, so they're running this like underground sex dungeon, strip club, dance club, party club, drug club kind of thing where everyone can go. It's called the Dirty Mind, where everyone can go and get their fix. (laughs) Um, their fix of weird shit. And it gets raided, and then it picks up after that with them trying to, like, pick up the shambles of these people getting arrested and stuff. There's government conspiracy, there's nudity, and very graphic sexual stuff, and there's, you know, a lot of talk about porn, and obviously, like, political commentary for our current climate. So it's good, in that sense. Um, I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, one thing I liked about it is that the religious group is controlled by women. Oh. And they basically, like, built their platform on... It's kind of, like, the opposite of um, how a lot of, like, uh, like Islamic-based societies are, where they make the women cover up, and they're like, the men are going to get dirty thoughts. That whole thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um it's like kind of the opposite of that it's like men have screwed up our society because of their dirty thoughts let's make sure they don't have them you know i mean i guess it's not the opposite it's kind of similar but it's done through like it's a different hey that's even more it's even more powerful because it's done through like a very western kind of scope so it's like we need to keep men in line by limiting their sex and limiting what kind of things they can get their hands on and like really restricting how they have sex and stuff like that um interesting and I, I just thought that was cool because whenever you see a comic or a book or anything and it's like religious group takes over, it's always some like freaky white dude who's like secretly a pervert. You know what I mean? Like that's, Right, right. That's like how it always goes. So I thought that was a cool. Like, Art imitates life, man. Yeah. Yeah, fair. <laughs> so I, I thought, uh, you know, this this book really grabbed that trope by the pussy. And. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, ow. I. Uh. And. uh really just flipped it on its head uh so i thought i thought that was cool the art is pretty good what i really liked i love when comics do this when comic creators do this is they put a mixtape in the back of like a bunch of songs it was a little weird because the song it was like 22 songs so it's supposed to be like one song per page okay so it's not something reasonably you could do right um because you read a page a lot faster than than a a song. song um it would be interesting to like figure out how long each page like really just math it out and be like this page took me this long and then like clip in like that much of that song anyway i knew all of the songs so i went back and flipped to the pages and they all fit really really well that's cool and i thought that was cool they did it they did a good job but anyway it's safe sex by tina horn uh with art by michael howard uh i recommend it if you're into kind of if you don't mind like erotic stuff because it does get pretty graphic Last one I want to talk about is the plot number one. This is from Vault. Um, it's just a good old-fashioned horror creature thing. Oh, nice. 
nice. Um, like it just felt very like old school. It felt like um. Oh, I don't remember. I think it was the Tales of the Crypt movie. Uh, but there was this horror like anthology movie right that had um this one bit where these like kids like killed off their dad to get their inheritance and then he comes back but he's like this creepy like water monster because they like buried him on the beach oh gross and um and there's also this like one anthology one where this like university gets this like creature in a crate and like puts it under the stairs and stuff it felt like those kind of things like really like be creature movie type nice. horror movies yeah that just get like great. really gruesome and gory yeah um and it has this odd supernatural effect to it that really like is akin to like swamp thing and stuff um and it also feels a little bit like uh haunting of hill house because it's all about this family going back to their old family home and like dealing with the supernatural shit that's happening there um and it's got like small town drama and it's got like dysfunctional family drama so it looks like it's going to be pretty tight. Nice. So, uh, it also has a really sweet B cover, if you can get your hands on it. Uh, that is a cover swipe. Uh, or like, I think they call, they're calling them homage covers, but it's a cover swipe. It's a cover swipe. Um, of Swamp Thing's first appearance. Oh, cool. So, That's clever. Uh, that was that was really cool. That's so. well done. Awesome. Well, I think that's it for us. I have no voice left. <laughs> Wow, I have I'm talked so surprised. a lot in this episode, and I'm <laughs> so sorry for the people that tune in to not listen to me. <laughs> Anyone out there, if you are like, hey, I really like the tea-heavy episodes, I'm so sorry. This is like turning on Friends, and it's a Ross-heavy episode. <laughs> I am so sorry. Don't worry, we'll be back to Chandler and Monica next episode, I promise. <laughs> Juice. Oh god, don't don't do juice. that. No one likes that. <laughs> I love the juice. Thank you for joining us. If Thank you, you so much. If you want more of us, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Yep. yep. You can find our Instagram. Yep, yep. Um our Facebook and Twitter are at the Cover Me Podcast. Our website is coverbepodcast.com. Our Instagrams are on our website. You can find them there. Yep. Uh, Cross promotional plug. Check us out on Tink Tink Games. That's Tink as in T-I-N-K, just like the sound of a spoon hitting uh, Android Overlord. I don't know. Um, T-I-N-K, Tink. <laughs> that beautiful noise. Uh, Tink Tink Games. We are playing games on Twitch right now. We're going through three which is new and relevant so check it out sometime uh give us a good old subscribe on there so you can know when we're streaming heck yes it's good times and hey get out there and spend time with people that you give a shit about yeah we are often surrounded by people that annoy us that we have us, to be around yeah or we're obligated to be around or we get you know we obligate ourselves to be around and we make it kind of a chore just find somebody in your life that you're like hey i haven't seen this person in a while or hey i like just kicking back and watching weird netflix stuff or listening to my favorite podcast with this person and just spend some time with them whoever that may be could even be your cat or your dog i love my cats or your alpaca whatever it might be oh, it doesn't, can we get an alpaca? doesn't have to be a person i know i live in an apartment but can we get an alpaca yeah totally we'll go out tomorrow <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we got to go because I'm getting alpaca tomorrow. Sweet. Have a good weekend, everybody. And we will see you next week for more Cover B. Bye, y'all.